For John Butchergrass, it's early April, plenty of hockey to be played. But right now, who are the two teams you would expect to see in the Stanley Cup final? Who are your picks, John? Colorado and Florida. The Panthers were my preseason pick, so I got to ride them out. Good. You can't really go wrong with those right now. Welcome to Hockey Press Pass, presented by Instat Hockey, the Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village, and by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Our guest is John Butchergross, the longtime host of SportsCenter and forever. Uh, forever, forever, NHL tonight. I just love it. He's always been hockey's biggest champion at ESPN and now one of its top voices in the NHL's return this season to the worldwide leader. How you been, all right? Yeah, it's been a great year, first time around, kind of like a honeymoon period. You know, whenever we go to these NHL rinks to call some games, everyone's always so glad to see us. You know, there's a freshness and a newness, even though I've been around forever. I'm kind of glad that the sport went away from ESPN for 18 years. Otherwise, I probably would have been a dusty old relic by now. But, I'm, you know, it's kind of nice to be, you know, welcomed with open arms again for at least a year. So we'll see how it goes down the line. I know it's like a flipping thing that people say to each other, like, hey, living the dream, living the dream. But really, after that break, uh, has it been like living the dream for you to get back into this NHL full time? Yeah, and especially to call games. You know, as a kid, I would turn the sound down on the radio, on the television, and, and do play-by-play into a tape recorder. And you know, growing up with play-by-play uh, people on the radio and on TV, that was always my number one dream. But you know, when you start out in local TV and you have a family young, and and you're kind of the path kind of you know is is made for you a little bit. Really can't start over again and go to the minor leagues and try to do play-by-play and stuff when you got two young kids. So you just try to try to move up salary-wise, support your family, be able to buy a house and a reliable car and all that stuff. So that that kind of gets in the way of maybe what exactly what you want to do career-wise. Um, but it worked out great to eventually get to ESPN. And then, you know, to host shows and studio shows and sports center and then to get involved with the NHL. And then the hockey NHL left ESPN and that got me into college hockey. A couple of years after it left, I, I went to ESPN. Hey, can I do play by play of one of these regionals? You know, save them a few bucks. They don't pay me extra to do it. But when they bring people in from the outside, you know, they give them a couple grand to do the game. And, hey, I figure I'll drive to it always in New England uh, regional in Worcester or Bridgeport or Albany or Providence. And and uh, so I started doing that. And that just grew. Eventually, I asked to do the Frozen Four. And um, we got the World Cup of Hockey. And so I, I did a couple games there, play by play. So it was all about them getting comfortable uh, for, with me doing play-by-play because that's really what I want to do, be at the rink, call the game, live sports, which is really um, continues to grow while studio shows are kind of going the other way as people um, really tune in for live events. So, And also to extend the career. You know, when you're play-by-play, you can work longer and you're not on camera as much. That was kind of a little bit of strategy, but really more what I really want to do. It's a unique path to, you know, unlike some of the other announcers uh, who we had, and not to say that you didn't work your way up before you got to ESPN as well, but were you, when you got back into play-by-play with those college hockey games were there people who were like your inspirations or mentors or who helped shape your style or did you make a point because you do have your own distinctive style as well john yeah i i kind of you know that especially came lately before you're just trying to survive you know learn the names quickly Mm -hmm. of people you don't see 
play every day. You know, I was, I could have called an NHL game in 2007, no problem, because I know all the players and numbers. It's more just you know, identifying the numbers and the players. I like to do that. I don't like to have conversations while the game go is going on. I don't like a radio call as well. I like kind of a combination. Um, you know, I want the parent who's watching their kid home on television to hear their son's name if he's a sixth defenseman or a five defenseman. So many college play-by-play guys will learn three or four or five names and then just have a conversation while the game's going on. I mean, if it was the NFL and Tom Brady was going back to pass and Joe Buck started talking to Troy Aikman about some storyline, it's like, what there's a there's a pass going on so i i like to respect the hockey play obviously you you might drop into a little bit of analysis from your analyst but i really like to stay in the present for these games build drama identify a really cool defenseman who makes a neat breakout pass or a great skater who makes a quick shift and then that nice breakout pass like these are events that happen in hockey that often get passed over for conversation and these, these are great great skill moments in the game and exciting little moments little easter eggs that i like to pronounce and announce, but in terms of heroes, it's just growing up as a kid, growing up in Western Pennsylvania. My dad was a Bruins fan. We listened to Bruins games on the radio because you know their television and hockey weren't really a thing in the 70s. And Bob Wilson was their play-by-play guy, big booming voice, Winston Reds and bourbon-laced vocal cords, you know, just uh, great pipes. And then Mike Lang in Pittsburgh, he was an ultra personality trying to grow the game in a new market. And also Bob Prince in Pittsburgh as well, one of the most colorful baseball play-by-play guys of all time. So these guys probably got into my subconscious as being entertainers and enthusiasm and little catchphrases. You know, people always blame ESPN for catchphrases. Bob Prince had catchphrases in the early 70s with bug on the rug when the ball went into the gap, you know, in the artificial turf and you can kiss a goodbye and all these little, you know, catchphrases. And so they've always been part of sports to make them fun and to connect with the listener or the viewer. So, yeah, I like that combination of, of calling the game, not quite radio style, but also to, to give it a try to do a little bit different so it doesn't sound the same. Um, and it's like a cookie cutter play-by-play guy. Sometimes you'll hear an announcer and then there's two or three guys who actually they're all very good, but they sound a lot alike. And I, and I don't want that to be the case. When you'd, you'd had so many reps, you know, you hosted, do you know how many sports centers you've hosted? I don't know. I'm asking <laughs> like generally. That's a great call. I mean, 25. Yeah, I know. I, I, I should probably try to figure out, you know, it's been 25 years. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, for you know, the last 10 years, I'm, you know, I'm working, I guess 200 shows. So yeah, you know, maybe a rough estimate, maybe like four to 5,000, maybe. I'm going to go back and try to figure out that. Yeah, before the hockey uh, came back, there were stretches where you, you, when I put it on, you were there, which I like because we're friends and (laughs) enjoy it. And you you also, you you get hockey moved up a little earlier. You could deny it, but it's obvious. (laughs) Um, So, so I wonder, John, when when NHL came back, you had the college hockey games and other work that you've done, and nothing. You know, your live TV, Sports Center, breaking news, tragedies, everything. You hit everything. But when you sat down or stood up to do that first game back at ESPN on the NHL in October, were you like a kid again? Yeah. Were you nervous? Were you? Did you have yeah. actually have a lighter meal that day for lunch? Yeah. Yeah. It was opening night in Vegas. I was surprised. You know, we had the opening night doubleheader. Um, Tampa Bay was, you know, McDonough and Ferraro. And then I was I was surprised they had me do the the second game of the opening night doubleheader. That, that was the first NHL game I've ever done. 
you know, again, I did the World Cup that had NHL players. Um, so obviously they heard me. And in college, there's certainly guys in the NHL. And I was wondering why, you know, would I be nervous? Why wasn't I nervous? I was a little uh, uh, anxiety ridden that day that I, I thought I might lose my voice. That was kind of like a thing. I remember being at lunch with Kevin Weeks and I was like, my voice feels a little weak. I hope I hope I have a strong voice tonight. I, I was actually a little anxious about that, but I wasn't nervous at all. And I was like, should I be? And then I started to get so many nice emails from people and text messages. You know, Mike Tirico, um, George Bodenheimer, the former president of ESPN. I didn't hear from the current president, but I heard from George Bodenheimer, the former president. Mm-hmm. I've never even met the current president, but it was so nice to hear from these people even before the game began. And then once I put that headset on it was like this is the same headset that i use when i do college games and then i got right into it and it felt great i was prepared and it just you know i was really happy the way it went i wasn't real sure but it was uh yeah it was like i said for the first game to have me do it uh, i was like i said i was pleasantly surprised i thought they'd have someone else do it i feel like i'm fourth or fifth string still at espn when it comes to you know hockey play by play i'm trying to build my way up it's a seven-year contract so i'm trying to play the long game but yeah it, it was really cool it was a big moment for me and it was uh and like i said the games i've done this year i'm still trying to get better i've now found my system of how to prepare what kind of charts i like and how i do it so now i'm really comfortable i feel like i it, it took a while to hit my stride how do i prepare how do i do this and present it and i, and I feel like, like i said i can't wait till i'm two three four five hundred games in and two three four five years down the line i feel like I, i'll look back now and say boy you know, y'all cringe. I was, I, I, I was terrible. You know, like, like you look back at Ray Ferraro 25 years ago, starting NHL tonight. He's nowhere Ray Ferraro is now. And then I'm excited for someone like Ryan Callahan, who's really got a lot of potential, really like him a lot. Think he's going to be good. Just think 10 years from now, he'll have that same gap that Ferraro has from then and now. Ryan's going to have that from then and now. I'll have it from then and now. So it, to me, I'm excited to get better, to improve. I've always been a self-improver, bit of a perfectionist, trying to get away from that. But I like I like trying to get better at things. That, that kind of drives me, that competitiveness as a high school athlete, bring it to the real world. Look at look at everybody who's ever hosted a late night talk show. Like I probably watched the first episode of all of them. And they sucked. Yeah. Like, they, like I, yeah. yeah. And I'm sitting there going, oh boy, did they make a mistake hiring this person? And then over time, weeks, sometimes months or even longer, then all of a sudden, you know, they're fantastic or they find, they find their groove. Uh, they're, they're all awkward. If you, yeah. or you, yeah. you watch those uh, first episodes, you, you earned, sure. you, you earned being on the air that first night. I, I don't need to blow smoke up your ass, but they, they, if they're going to have a first night, especially if they're going to have a double header, if there was only one game, okay, fine. But if there's going to have a double header, you needed to be in that, that, sec, that, that second game, uh, you, you earned it. Well, I like it. Well, more pe- people had more experience, but no one's wa- watched more hockey than I have the last 25 years at ESPN. I mean, I watched every game every night, even when we didn't have hockey. That was my passion. And so you can't, that's the one thing I knew I was behind, maybe on experience and play-by-play and getting reps, but I knew that I was ahead of foundational knowledge, of league knowledge, of having in my phone, you know, agents and players and and scouts and presidents and front office people that, you know, no one else has. So that's my strength. That's what I have to pull on, that foundational knowledge and love of watching my kids play hockey up through high school, having a backyard rink, having a college experience in this country, trying to grow that. So when we see a player play for the Canadians, he went to Michigan, a viewer might perk up that, oh, he's a Wolverine. I didn't know that. Because the one thing about NHL fans, they have no idea where these guys went to college. Like a 1%, half of 1% probably has any of the connection. So I'm trying to bring a little bit of that, like we have in college football to NFL. 
college basketball, not as much because the, the best players are one and done or no one done. Um, so that's kind of going away. I, I like that as a kid. But, you know, I kind of like that little bit of a connection to college because that college is nostalgia mm-hmm. and college is, you know, a homey, warm feeling. So if I can bring a little bit of that without overdoing it, um, that, that's that's kind of what that's another strength I can bring to our broadcast. Your love for the game and being the game's biggest advocate at, at this at that network. Uh, the worldwide leader ESPN brings me to this. I'm under no illusion that I know my place. I also know that there's Disney executives, ESPN executives, ABC executives, and then there's announcers. And But it seems to me this would be a very rare and unique case. When the NHL rights became available again, and we all know when they were going to be, right? We all follow this. Did you play your part to nudge people to say let's get back in this I, I understand ultimately they have to make that decision you're talking about millions upon millions of dollars but john did you ask for a meeting send a few texts and say hey let's take a let's take a hard look at this because i really believe in this yeah never did um you know once we got in the world cup that was my clue that we're going to try to get back into this i know before this offer the last offer we made a very aggressive offer, but NBC had a right to match. And uh, I think one of our little perks was we'll show every playoff game on TV, figuring that they can't match that. They only have one network. And uh, we have all these other all these networks. But NBC matched. That's when we saw, saw all those playoff games on CNBC, MSNBC. They kind of used all those networks they had in their family. So I knew, I knew that we were kind of wanting to get back in the game. And then when the world changed with streaming and ESPN now has ESPN+, Plus, and that going back to ESPN two days when they used to put North Carolina and Duke on ESPN two and drive people crazy because they're trying to grow that network. I figured they would, the ESPN plus for now is a really nice boutique sports service of, you know, soccer, MMA, all the 30 for thirties that NHL is a good fit there for that. And then when I realized that they're bringing the entire center ice package or NHL, you know, TV app, two plus at no extra charge you get every nhl game on television as part of your normal espn plus which i think a sports fan would like anyway especially when you bundle it with hulu and disney plus it's a pretty reasonable rate so if you're a hockey fan all the college games that are on there and all the nhl games and then of course to, to write the check to write the bigger check to have exclusive games on there so people you know you're trying to drive people to get the service and then hopefully stay with the service and enjoy the service while you continue to add stuff so i just thought it was happening on its own I didn't think I had to do that. I think they knew the product. And um, and then when, like I said, I, I, I could sense it coming and then I got excited about it a couple years out and then two, three months ahead of the, the announcement last March, just about a year ago this time, just a little longer, I heard that we, we definitely got to have the package. And so that, that was exciting. And But you never know until that day comes out because you know, Apple or Google can write a check tomorrow that can blow everybody out of the water. And you know, I was always fearful of that. And we're starting to see those guys get into it now. But yeah, when that announcement came down, I was like, this is seven years. That's perfect. It aligns with my age in terms of uh, uh, career extender and getting to those certain numbers we want to get to. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it couldn't have come at a better time for me. I'm not looking for you to grade them, but who are some of the people who've come to ESPN now that you have the NHL and have really, you know, opened your eyes and you see uh, emerging as stars? Or give me a scouting report for the weeks is the DPHs, all the former Islanders who are now who are now yeah. <laughs> with you. But who are the people who come to mind and you say, "Boy, he really surprised me. She really surprised me." 
Yeah, I, re- I really like the, the three names you really named, especially uh, you know Kevin Weeks and and Callahan and DiPietro. Uh, uh, Rick has a I think a really good future. He's re- such a bursting personality that busts through the screen, which is what you want. And really, John Tortorella has been our stickiest analyst that we have. You know, I, I'm trying to convince Torts to retire from coaching and become a TV star because one thing hockey hasn't really had, like you know Don Cherry became the star in Canada. There really hasn't been a star in the U.S. A huge star. You know, really Melrose is probably the face of hockey in this country i go out with barry melrose now to restaurants or bars especially when we cover the, the frozen four and the ncaa tournament it's like elvis presley i mean everybody looks at him when he walks to our table even if they don't know who he is they're like that's somebody it could be jeff bridges no it's not jeff bridges um who is that but the people who do know him it's just because you know and then he's so kind he's bigger than life and so barry has that you know that, that always had the personality the hair the mullet coach wayne gretzky the laugh the whole thing so uh but you know and i really thought kevin weeks when, when he came over and, and we were i was talking to him preseason like oh, kevin i know some people know you on tv but you understand when you come to ESPN, it's going to be it's going to blow up times seven or eight, and now we're starting to see that the way he breaks trades on his phone via video and all these weird places, he's starting to kind of create something here and some momentum. And really, once the playoffs start, that's when the eyeballs are going to come to all of us. So this is it's like a it's like a six seven month preseason until the playoffs start. That's our NCAA tournament, our two month tournament. Hockey becomes a part of the equation for two months. This is all just warm up to pay players and and pay all of us to have a salary for the year. Now we earn it in these next two months. So what Callie and Weeksy bring as a fresh face and and uh, guys who had just retired, especially Ryan. That's a big plus. We saw it with Tony Romo how he went just retired right to the booth. If you can handle that that's a lot of value there's a lot of currency there and ryan still has that and uh, you know the longer you're away from the game there is some separation that's one of ferraro's great traits he's he stayed very current very in there uh he's a voracious reader he watches games and uh you know you can't fake it with an analyst especially with the hardcore uh you know the sports like soccer and hockey and you can't pretend you're watching you have to watch it's obvious the people who aren't watching every night and uh, so I, I, I really like those guys and what they bring and I'm excited like I was talking about before improving uh, although weeks he's almost fully formed um, all those reps on NHL network all of those hours and hours and hours uh, it, it was great reps for him and now he's ready to shine ready to go it's been incredible to see it come full circle I don't know yeah. if you recall but that would be 22 23 24 years ago I drove with Kevin down to Bristol from Long Island to do a show uh, yeah. for him to do a show for me to accompany him. Yeah. And it's a, it's still when he's there, it's particularly touching to see you guys together because I remember very vividly that Stuart Scott was hosting Sports Center that night. And it meant the world cool. for Kevin to meet. Stuart Scott and they talked for a while and then he got talking to you and I knew he could do this someday if he wanted to and and now he's there all the time it's really uh, quite amazing thing such a kind person huge heart uh, great uh, very empathetic he can read the room he's uh, he can help people out get them out of trouble as a, you know, someone who might not always be doing hockey, like on NHL Network, he'll help out a host, help out a fellow analyst, never looks people bad, no ego. He's just really a special person, uh, full of energy in life and loves the game so much. Again, he's a hardcore guy where he knows people, he works at it, he reads, he competes, he wants to be his best every time he's on. So what a great addition for us. You love every aspect of hockey, and I personally want to thank you for the five years that it was in the National Women's Hockey League. As a PR person, every time we reached out, I reached out for a draft pick uh, video, 
uh, to uh, buy a, a fan uh, seat in Lake Placid. You're always there, a great proponent. We're now in this moment for the women's game coming off the Olympics where it looks like the PWHPA is going to start their own initiative. Uh, some of those players are involved you know, working in your network. You've given them opportunities. I was wondering, you know, one, your what you love about the women's game and where do you see this moment going for perhaps a professional league? Yeah, it's difficult. It's a crowded area out there. Um, there's so many choices. And, you know, even the, the big time established sports from the last hundred years, like the NHL, um, even if you're just even if you're going like this, that's pretty good. You just don't want to go this way. You know, obviously, NFL continues to go. It's just been a rocket ship. But you just don't want you know baseball starting to go the other way. And if you're just doing this, you're doing OK. So to start from the beginning and try to expect to do that, it's really hard. So I'm not sure the answer. It's just, you know, doing the best product you can, finding your customer base, finding your niche. And, um, but yeah, I've always been, you know, there's NHL fans and there's hockey fans. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a hockey fan going back. My kids played the backyard rinks, the college game, the high school game, the prep school game, the women's game, and, and how their skill has evolved so much in the last 5, 10, 15 years. Um, they're just fun athletes to be around, and they're competitive. It's a neat – it's it's an interesting watch. It's not, it's not obviously, fighting and those big dangerous ch uh, checks uh, that can sometimes mar a game, but they're still physical and they're competitive. And that's one love hanging around AJ Malesko on the road this year and feeling that competitiveness and, and how, and, and the rivalry with Canada, that's something we need to sell and push more that could help the game a lot. Um, Cause that's a real thing. That should be like a 30 for 30 ESPN thing. The stories they could tell in like an ESPN plus 30 for 30 NHL, you know, ESPN and NHL series, some, something like that would be a, a great thing. I know we're working on one now, uh, the red wing color, Colorado series um, that's going to be one of our next 30 for 30s and all the guys are lined up to do interviews that'll be sensational but I think that this USA Canada women's rivalry is man it's right there I can't think of anything in sports that's bigger than that like you know in terms of, of true passion so I'm rooting for them obviously I, I want everybody to be successful and um, and like I said getting to know the win I've known Cammy Granado going back forever and uh, so I've always rooted for them in fact I remember being a hockey net in Canada probably early 2000s I was so honored that Ron McLean asked me to be on satellite hot stove between the second and third period you know before really the internet before obviously social media and, and all those newsbreakers out those were big deals now you can't talk about that because it's already out but I remember saying going on his show and saying that you know, I think Cammy Granado and Haley Wickenheiser should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame they you know I was pushing for that 20 years ago 2000 2001 right around there on Hockey Night in Canada and so it's always been a thing for me and and that's in, in if all aspects of the game grow that um and the whole game rises as well and that's what and that's what we're trying to do what, what's up with your uh, I admire anybody who uh, promotes on social media healthy eating and also not <laughs> you make a point of pointing out when a food not just chicken parm looks weak like throw some meat on there throw some, but so <laughs> I, and maybe this is something you've discussed but I, I'm curious I, obviously you take great care of yourself what is your approach to nutrition I mean it's totally serious I, I want to I'm, I'm still learning I think it goes back to being an athlete in high school um, and wanting to be the best I could be 
And like, so I kind of, you know, and, and kind of, how could I be the best I could be to make the varsity team or to be a better player, to jump higher, to run faster. And so, you know, trying to learn early on how to do that in terms of, you know, lifting weights and things like that and training and trying to get stronger. And, and also being a late bloomer physically, always being really skinny and always being a little self-conscious for being skinny, but also, also I was always a disadvantage in sports, especially the first year I played first year of little league, first year of Babe Ruth, you know, I, I hit 100. Then the second year I got better then my last Last year, I was like an all-star type quality player, but it would always take me to catch up physically. So I was always, that was kind of the thing and why I started lifting weights when I was about 19, 20 years old, just to, just to fill out a little bit. It took me forever, you know, being such a late bloomer. And then I picked up that, you know, and then realizing the eating part of it, how you can maximize that. And then it just became, and how much better I felt when I started eating certain foods. And, I, and like I said, anything I get into, I read about it, and I and I become a, a voracious reader and a self improver, like I talked about. And and so, and I've reached a point now where I kind of, and again, just like learning how to do a play by play game, what works for me, what's my uh, system, what system do I sink into to 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 be my best? That's what I've kind of done with. You know, I know how to work out. I know what exercises work. I know what doesn't work. I know when to eat. I know what to eat. And so, and that's a, that's a big important. I've always said, as a parent, the most important thing you can do as a parent is to hold your kid's hand in a parking lot, safety, and to put the proper food in their mouth. I mean, that's, what's more important than feeding your kid the, as you know the best food you can, and then obviously yourself too. And so, um, yes, and again, because the number one, let's see, the number one blessing in life is health. Like the, you know, you can't have, you can't be truly happy in this life unless you're healthy. You know, some people get such a raw deal, but you know, as much as we can control and anything could happen tomorrow to any of us, but it might as well, you know, maximize the odds, uh, you know, margin for error. I always tell my kids when you're driving a car, just if you see someone crazy, back off. If you see a truck driver, get by him. You know, that's in a rainy day. Just always give yourself a margin for error in life. And for me, that's what eating, you know, as best I can working out, but I enjoy working out too. So it's not a sacrifice to me. I like putting music in. I like the exertion. Now that I don't play sports all the time, like I did as a kid. So it's a, it's an exertion. It's a, you can see your body transform you can see results, listen to music, inspired by other people, social aspect, the whole thing. So it just, it just fits me, thankfully. Great. Uh, last one is we ask just about everybody on here for, and, and you've worn so many hats in broadcasting, uh, but for your high line advice, uh, you know, whether life advice, career advice uh, to the people who want to do what you do, pursue what you have and been so successful at it. What are your thoughts for them, John? Hmm. You know, I always knew I wasn't the most talented and, uh, starting right from the get-go. So, you know, for me, again, go back to being a self-improver. Uh, show up every day. You know, didn't call in sick my first job for five years. Didn't call in sick my second job for two years in Providence, Rhode Island. Didn't call in sick for ESPN until my 12th year. I had like a cool 19-year Cal Ripken streak going until I just couldn't make it into work one day. <laughs> and I was really bummed. So, you know, you show up. Uh, you, you treat people well. I'm easy to work with. I like the person next to me to do well. I'm going to tailor my presentation for the person next to me. I'm a facilitator. When I played basketball, I was a facilitator. Hockey, I'm a pass-first guy. Like, you know, just that that's my role. I'm kind of a utility guy. I can do a lot of things okay. Nothing maybe great. But uh, just like a teammate, you know, it goes back to sports. Everything for me goes back to sports at a young age, trying to get better, trying to get stronger, trying to maximize your your, your body's performance, uh, being a good teammate, being unselfish, loving your teammates, feeling that bond. And that's what work is done. That's what ESPN has been a great place, just feeling that bond to produce a good show. 
and you, you know you're just trying to get better i've never and but the thing also it's a bit of a um that um that was never really career oriented i didn't intern when i was in school i didn't have a business card i didn't really network i was always family oriented i worked for my family um as a young age i was a young dad young young husband in my early in my mid-20s especially nowadays it's really young um so that was always my focus work for them work to try to get better to get a next job that's uh, you know support them and 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 raise them and so that that was my motivation the motivation was always there which i think helps as well to have outside motivation and th don't let your work define you just have fun and enjoy it and try to get better and and that's what i try to do i see a lot of young people even people my age throughout my career it's like they define themselves as a broadcaster or as this or as that and um i just never been that way this is fantastic. As you know, I mentioned to you today, I wanted you all season. Every time I was recording, I went to look up. I saw from the uh, the PR releases that you had games either uh, very imminently or the next day. So um, perfect person to have on is for my season finale of my little podcast on hockey media. You've been a good friend, always just so great for me uh, with the Islanders, with the NWHL. Uh, it exudes on the TV and that's the person you are too. So thanks so much for doing this, John, and for everything really. Thanks for having me, Chris. I hope I wasn't too much of a windbag, but uh, yeah, I get excited when I talk about hockey and life. <laughs> thanks so much to John Butchagross for doing that, to Lou Pellegrino. This is the season finale of Hockey Press Pass slash Islanders Forecheck. To the fans, to everyone listening, to producer Pat Boyle, to executive producer Danny Ryland Carney, to Ksenia Selman, my good friend who's uh, done the graphics for me, uh, but especially the fans. You've blown me away with the support all season, the feedback, especially positively and negatively. And I also, I just, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat speechless in how this has all come together over the last year. We'll take a look in the off season. It's now time for the playoffs to come soon and for all the other great podcasts out there to do their thing. That's not my thing with this hockey press pass, uh, but we're going to take a look at coming back next season with some other ideas and different guests. And uh, my thanks to all the guests on the show, everybody who's worked on it, but again, especially to you, for the feedback and for everything else. Uh, thank you to Instat Hockey, the Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village, and HelloFresh. Take care, everybody. Enjoy the rest of the season. Enjoy the playoffs, and we will see you down the road.